You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to look back on our 2020 in books, but before we do that, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what's happening with you? I have a story with a happy ending to share. My original note in this section of the outline was about sadness of me losing expensive things. (laughs) But as I said, happy ending. We were at the park on Friday playing near a creek and E lost her glasses. There are many things that could have happened for that not to happen, but it did. We got home and as I was looking through things, I realized we didn't have them. I went back to the park and spent time walking around all the places we had been because I think what had happened was she put them in her pocket that was Mm. shallow and then was running and they fell out. Okay. Which means they could be almost anywhere. (laughs) Nice. She often takes off her glasses at home, but it is unusual for her to have done that at the park intentionally. Mm. Okay. I had no success. The next day, Neil goes back with his parents and the kids, and they spend three hours looking in the park. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Because the other part of the story is these glasses aren't even owned by us. He broke her glasses a couple months ago, and we've been waiting on the replacement because it was backordered. So these glasses are just a loaner pair from the eye doctor. Oh, my gosh. So they're not even ours to lose. I went back this morning to try one more time in this area where I think they came off. There's these tall grasses. So I'm down scraping through the grasses looking for the glasses (laughs) and I found them. That is amazing. (laughs) It was such a good feeling. I think alone in the park, I pumped my fists up and down in the air in victory (laughs) when I saw them. So (laughs) we'll be having lots of conversations about said glasses and when and where to take them off and how to store them. Not that we haven't had those conversations before, but... They will be being reinforced again. (laughs) What is new with you? I am leaning in hard to Christmas crafting. Mm. Yesterday, I finished a wreath. I had saved the wreath form from the wreath I bought last year. Mm -hmm. Got the branches from the tree cut off the bottom of our tree that we got and I collected some things that had fallen in the park and I picked up two small bouquets, one eucalyptus and then another one that had a little berry thing on it, but like that color of leaves and that texture of leaves, like lighter green and kind of like matte texture. Mm -hmm. I picked those up at Trader Joe's. Oh, I also dried some mandarin slices in the oven Mm -hmm. to put some color Mm -hmm. on there. So I'll post a picture on our Instagram because I am maybe prouder than I should be of this, but I just feel so awesome that it's mostly stuff that we had that I didn't buy very much and it's huge and gorgeous. I love it. Thanks. I also have plans next to make a new Christmas tree skirt. Mm. We've had the same Christmas tree skirt since college when Andrew and I used to do a tree in the on-campus house that we lived in. Mm -hmm. So this was a gold Christmas tree skirt that was kind of shiny that was from Walmart 15 years ago or something like that. I was inspired this year to use that tree skirt on our porch because we got a porch tree and I'm going to try and quilt a tree skirt, which I've never done any quilting, but we have a listener and a friend of mine in real life who made one with a friend Okay, and that friend has a tutorial online. So I'm going to follow it. I'm going to try it. If that works, I'll post pictures of that too. Yes. I look forward to seeing it and living vicariously through your adventures. I was going to say that you're inspiring me, but that is false because I do not want to do any Christmas crafts. (laughs) But I will enjoy your Christmas crafts via photos. Very good. Let's talk now about what we've been reading. What about you, Sarah? 
My latest read is Notes on a Silencing by Lacey Crawford, and this was on the New York Times list of best books of the year. It is a memoir that details a sexual assault at an elite private boarding school and then the cover-up that followed, both immediately after and decades following. Mm. It was beautifully told. Her story stands on its own in its importance, but it also amplifies the ways in which institutions silence victims Mm -hmm. and continue perpetrating violence against them after the incident itself. Wow. I would absolutely recommend it. Given the subject matter, it was not an easy read, but bearing witness to her story, I think, is a way to honor her and her bravery and willingness to come forward. Yeah. What have you been reading? I recently finished Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld. And this is a novel that reimagines what it would be like if Hilary Rodham and Bill Clinton had never gotten married. Mm. So I tried to read this book pre-election, and I couldn't do it. I could not handle the sort of fantastical, Mm -hmm. what if we lived in a world that looked really different (laughs) from the one that we are currently living in? Fair. But I picked it up again recently. And I was completely into it. I devoured it in a number of days. Post-election, that alternate reality really worked for me. Mm -hmm. I also loved how many real details were included and based on real things. And I really liked how Hillary wasn't perfect. I saw this book described as Hillary fan fiction, which Mm -hmm. I could see that to an extent. But I also think they treated her more like a real person than if you were really like going all in on the fan fiction type elements. And I really appreciated that. I think that took it to the next level. I would recommend this book, though. I think that people run hot and cold on it. The experience that I had was very specific, like I said, to the sort of context that I was reading it in. But I think it was definitely worth the read and worth thinking about. I also sort of in reflecting on it, for this episode, I found an essay that we'll share in our show notes that compares the book to real life that I found so Mm. fascinating. So there's sort of all these inflection points in the story that parallel real events to a certain extent. But I loved seeing that sort of written out. And I think it's a history professor or someone who wrote it. So pretty cool. Neil read this one and he's waiting for me to read it so we can discuss it. Mm. And one of the things he said is it's so hard as he's going through it to know what is real and what isn't. So I'll definitely share that link with him. Yeah. So we're going to talk about books some more today. Yay! We'll start our discussion of the books we read in 2020 by giving an overview of our year in reading. How was your reading generally this year, Sarah? It was great. The best reading year I've had ever. It really has been a bright spot in an otherwise grim year. Hmm. I don't know if so much reading happened because it was such a nice escape and helped me feel so grounded, or if it was just the amount of time I had, but something about this year just really worked for my reading life. It was the same for me. It was really fantastic. I think there is nothing like staying home a lot Mm -hmm. to have tons of time to read. And also, I really read so much this year that did feel like an escape, I think, because Mm. real life was really rough. Mm -hmm. I also think that taking the daily walks that I've been taking has given me another pocket of time in my day to read that I haven't had in recent years. So that was really wonderful, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you got to read as much as you wanted, but were there any challenges that you faced in your reading life or any particularly memorable reading slumps? Overall, there were fewer challenges and more opportunities to read generally. 
I did have a few slumps in terms of reading either paper or ebooks. But even when that happened, I was still listening to books. Mm. I started being able to listen to books at my work when there were no longer patrons in the library. So I was consistently doing audio. The most notable slump in terms of eyes on the page reading happened leading up to the election when I wanted to consume more news in the evenings and didn't read as much. But I knew that was happening and felt totally fine about it. Yeah. I have not had many slumps this year. The closest I've come was recently when I read two mediocre romance novels in a row, but I just Mm. switched genres and that fixed it. It was really probably the most slump-free year in recent memory. And we're going to talk more specifically about the books that we love, but I just feel like I read so many good books this year. Yeah. What a good feeling. Which is the opposite of you for last year. I feel Mm -hmm. like a couple years ago you also felt that, and last year was kind of a meh. Yeah. It also makes me wonder how much of this is having my mood disorder treated. Mm. Therapy and Zoloft can get you to a point where you can do more of the things Mm -hmm. that make you feel like you and that you enjoy. In any case, it was great. Were there any surprises in your reading life this year, Sarah? The number of audiobooks that I read was very surprising to me. In a normal year, I would say I read five or fewer audiobooks. But this year, over a third of my reading was audio. Mm. And a lot of that is because of being able to listen at work. But even before that, Early in the pandemic, I was going on a lot of walks and listening to audiobooks. And in the past, I would always choose a podcast. I had several podcasts I would listen to. And when I would think about reading an audiobook, I'd be, mm, no, I'd rather listen to a podcast. And now mm. it's the opposite where, nope, I'd rather listen to my book. It's not that I didn't enjoy the listening experience, but as I said, podcasts were first and it didn't feel like there were these long stretches of time to get into a book. But this year, I really started appreciating what the audio can bring to the reading experience. Mm, Yes. There were many books that I read and I liked, but I loved the audio. Yeah. And then there were the very few books where I really loved both. But there were some where I thought, oh, you know, I think I would have liked this less if I were reading it than Mm -hmm. I do listening to it. Yeah, I love that for you because that's how I felt about audiobooks for a long time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you find one that gets you that extra whatever, whether it's being read by the author or the reader's really fantastic or it's visual language that you can pick up better hearing it than seeing it yourself. I am with you now. My surprise this year was that I was not in the mood for the newest Inspector Gamache novel. I had it Mm. on my Kindle for weeks and started it once-ish and then I was like, forget it. I'm not doing this. Huh. This is not what I want right now. And I gave it back and I'm not even on the list right now. So that was shocking to me. Yeah. But also nice to have a gamache waiting for you when you are in the mood. Yes. When I am gamache ready, it will be ready for me, I hope. What about genres? Were there any that you were particularly drawn to this year or maybe that you wouldn't have expected to be? I think for me, it was the opposite, that I normally read much more nonfiction than I did this year. Mm. I went through a stretch of reading a lot of parenting books and really enjoyed that. Reading those on audio was perfect for me because I usually don't want to read a parenting book in the evening when I am (laughs) done parenting. Yes. (laughs) But listening to it at faster speeds, since they're normally short, I feel like I could get what I needed to out of it and Mm -hmm. get that inspiration and information, but not have it take up my evening reading time. 
Nice. But other than those, I really read so few nonfiction books. And I usually have a much more even division between fiction and nonfiction. Hmm. I think part of that is wanting that escape and enjoying being in a story. Interesting. But we'll see how it goes next year. How about for you in terms of genres? Genre-wise, my year was as expected. Lots of romance and other fiction, plenty of memoir, and probably even less nonfiction than usual, though I do not read anywhere close to a balance Mm -hmm. like you do in a normal year. I would say usually I get a couple more in there. I had almost no nonfiction to choose from. No surprises, though. I mean, no one is surprised how much (laughs) romance I read this year. (laughs) Least of all me. Maybe the Abbey of five years ago is surprised. (laughs) Yes, perhaps. Let's talk about reading challenges. What did those look like and did you meet your goals? For Goodreads, I put my goal at 100, which felt like a stretch since last year I didn't make my goal of 90, but I'm actually on track to finish somewhere in the 140s this year. Woo! All the audio and all the Kindle books and all the time hanging out at home meant lots of books read. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably leave my goal the same next year because I have trouble imagining that I will continue this pace of reading, Yeah, but I am enjoying it while it lasts. I also started the Book Riot Read Harder Challenge for the first time as a way to stretch myself as a reader and try out different genres or types of books than I would normally read. There are 24 categories on the list in that one, and I would say by the end of the year, I'll probably have done a little over half. Mm. But even though I didn't complete it, I still consider it a success. (laughs) Yeah. I loved the book list for each category and read several books that I would not have picked up otherwise. I was full steam ahead on that early in the year and then have picked back up again in the last couple months. But when the pandemic originally hit, I did not want anyone, even a list, telling me what I should be reading. Yeah, we didn't need anything to be harder either. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I took a long break from going through it. But I think I'll try it again next year with the same expectation of trying to get through it, but without the pressure to cross off every box and just seeing it as a fun way to expand the books that I'm picking up. Nice. How did your challenges go? For my Goodreads challenge, I set a goal of reading a book a week. So 52 books this year. Mm -hmm. And I have read nearly 90 books now in this first week of December when we're recording. So I think I'm going to be above 90 by the end of the year unless something drastic happens between now and then. Mm -hmm. It was definitely the combo of audio on walks and Kindle that did it for me. I don't think I read more than two or three books in actual paper book format this year. So that was all ebooks or audiobooks. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little about how reading looked with our kids this year. Was there anything new? What was fun? What worked? That kind of thing. We have entered the golden age of reading aloud. Yes. (laughs) At least at this point in my parenting life. The kids both love longer picture books with great stories, but they can also enjoy chapter books. I would say early in 2020 and definitely all of last year, E would always want one of us to read picture books to her while the other parent was reading chapter books to HP because she didn't have an interest in joining in. But this year, we started reading the Humphrey series in the spring by Betty Burney, and E was super into it. We read that whole series. There's more than a dozen books. (laughs) And then went into some other great ones. We read the Penderwick series, which I loved, read a few one-off 
chapter books, and I found with both kids, I just have to read the first chapter to get them drawn in, Mm. and then they both are really interested, but it's hard for them to want to start a new book, Hmm. which is why series have been so great, because once you're already invested in the characters, then they're so excited to be reading it. But it has just been so enjoyable for me to be reading books that I really love to read and looking at all of the chapter books that are out there for me to read to my kids. I just have a big smile on my face thinking about reading with my kids right now. It's just been a real highlight of the year is spending that time together and doing this thing that we all enjoy. I love it. I was inspired by you doing so much of this with your kids that we tried chapter books with Plum for the first time. Mm. It was great. I was actually really surprised by how well she did with a continuous story, especially some that I think were a little over her head, but she was interested enough in the subject material that she wanted to kind of know what happened. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we would have to sort of talk through, you know, do you understand what just happened in that chapter? Because with fewer pictures, I think she still relies a lot on the visual cues when we're reading yes, to kind of follow along. And it's still harder for her to get the context of the story just listening. But I also think it's a nice challenge for all of us. And like you said, so enjoyable. I find it (laughs) so much more enjoyable to read a chapter or two a night of a 10 or 12 chapter book than to read the same picture books over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I know Andrew feels that way as well. And then Pepper can sit through more books with stories Mm -hmm. rather than board books, which is a real step in an enjoyment for all type direction. (laughs) Yes. I feel like that is the biggest jump of joy in reading (laughs) to kids. The mind-numbing board books where it just labels everything. (laughs) I read them, but I didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. And now I can truly say that I enjoy reading with my kids. And I think we recorded that episode on raising readers maybe a couple of years ago. And I think I was much more lukewarm on the entire experience where (laughs) (laughs) right now I can speak on it much more favorably. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And that is happening in our house. So I see a future like the one you've described where we are all enjoying reading together every night. And it looks really bright. Love it. All right. Now we're going to switch to talking specifics about our reads this year. We'll start with fiction. My two favorites were The Far Field by Maduri Vijay and Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Such a Fun Age was also on my favorites list, along with Rodham and Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. How about nonfiction? I listened to The New Jim Crow, the 10th anniversary edition by Michelle Alexander and really appreciated all of the research and work and doing a lot of thinking about what I had accepted about our criminal justice system and the ways in which that was wrong and incomplete. I also loved Boys and Sex by Peggy Ornstein. I read Girls and Sex a few years ago, mm-hmm. and then this one just came out this year. And she interviews lots of adolescents and young adults talking about their experience with sex. And it was very insightful and gave me a lot to think about as I'm raising my own kids about the conversations. I want to have with them. Nice. What were your nonfiction picks? Like I said, I did not read much nonfiction. So the one I've selected in this category is a little unconventional because it's more of an autobiography. Mm. This is Mother Wit, an Alabama midwife story by Annie Lee Logan. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that I talked about earlier this year that is an oral history that was told to someone else. Mm -hmm. So I love this book and I think everyone should read it. 
All right, let's talk about most enjoyable books we read this year. My two most enjoyable were One to Watch by Kate London Stamen, which is the one about the bachelorette reimagined with a fat heroine. Mm -hmm. And I also enjoyed A Rogue of One's Own, which is by Evie Dunmore and is the second in a series. It's a historical romance and just a delight. And then for enjoyment, I know we have a separate category about audio, but just for pure enjoyment purposes, rereading Lady Sherlock and then the Veronica Speedwell mysteries on audio, mm, some of the best reading experiences I've had this year. Love that. My most enjoyable is the first in that E.B. Dunmore series, Bringing Down the Duke. I loved that book. That was everything I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. I read it twice this year, (laughs) and I don't usually (laughs) reread. So good. Okay, how about memoir? I loved Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, and I believe you talked about this really early on in the year, and just such great insight into therapy and working through our own issues. Mm-hmm. My other favorite memoir was Know My Name by Chanel Miller. My favorite memoirs were also my favorite audiobooks this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you about audio in a minute, but I actually combine these two categories because I feel like memoir is a genre that really works so much for audio. I mean, that's one where if it's read by the author, mm-hmm. I feel like you get so much more out of it than if it's read by someone else or if you read it in book format. So my two favorites this year were Sitting Pretty by Rebecca Tosig, which I've talked about on the pod, and the one that you mentioned, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Both of those were incredible books, but also that much more impactful in audio format. What about your audio, Sarah? My favorite audiobook of the year was Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, which Mm. you listed in your favorite fiction. For me, this is one that was both favorite fiction and the reading experience was so good. I don't know that I would have loved it quite as much if I had read it in paper, but in audio, it was just perfect. Yep. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Our final category is read alouds. I love that we have this as a category now. I know. So nice. (laughs) We read several good ones. The Wild Robot and the sequel, The Wild Robot Escapes, were both by Peter Brown and were big hits, both with me reading them and then later in audio. This summer, we read The Penderwicks by Jeannie Birdsall, which is a great five-book series about a large family and their various adventures. And then currently, we're reading The Vanderbeekers, which is one I had found when I was looking for a good Christmas read aloud. Mm Mm-hmm. I am loving it. I can't quite put it in my top category yet because I haven't finished it, but there's several more of these books, and it's a large biracial family that lives in Harlem and their adventures, and it is excellent. So expect to be hearing more about that in next year's favorite read-aloud series. Nice. How about for you? The top read-alouds for us were The Wild Robot Books, which I heard about from you, and then Tried Mm -hmm. with Plum, and those worked so well for my four-year-old. I think in part because the chapters are so short that you can really bite off a manageable chunk Mm -hmm. or read more if it's like your kid is getting it. You can keep going. But if not, it's not like you're in this long chapter of what is happening. We don't know. It's very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot of pictures mixed in, too, to keep engaged. Totally. So that was a very enjoyable reading experience. Plus, what a thoughtful story about artificial intelligence and science and how humans and technology interact with nature. Really loved it. Mm -hmm. And then 
A book that I love from my youth is The Midwife's Apprentice, which is by Karen Cushman. Mm. And this book was really too old for Plum in terms of subject matter. This was one where we had to stop a lot and talk about what was going on. But I love this book so much and Plum loves midwives so much that we got through it together. Mm -hmm. This was a reading experience that made me see how fun it will be. Yes. Once she's able to get things even more Mm -hmm. than she is now. And so we can really pick things where we're both just enjoying it so much. All right. We'll wrap up this conversation by looking forward to reading in 2021. Are there things you are looking forward to or challenges that you're anticipating in your reading life next year? Just looking forward to more audiobooks more Kindle books. It was the year of new formats for me, and I expect my love for them to continue and grow. (laughs) I'm having a hard time predicting challenges at the moment since (laughs) this year has proven how little we can know about ahead of time. (laughs) But just life. We'll see what happens. Like you, I do not feel comfortable making any predictions about what's going to happen in 2021 after the year that we've just had. We'll have to wait and see how reading goes, but I do feel particularly excited about two romance novels. The first is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, who's the author of Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is probably one of my all-time favorite reads. Mm -hmm. So that's not a sequel. It's just another book that she's written, and it's already getting a lot of chatter on Mm. book-related Instagrams about how good it is. And then the other book is Act Your Age, Eve Brown, which is the third book in the Brown Sisters series by Talia Hibbert. And I'm very excited about that one as well. Me too. That's all about our reading in 2020. But listeners, we would love to hear about your favorite books this year, what worked, what didn't, how reading was for you. You can let us know on our Instagram or on our website or send us an email. Let's finish by talking about what we're eating lately. I tried to make corn pudding for Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. which was just the four of us. And I felt really excited about this because I felt like it would be a new texture to bring to our meal and a new flavor, like something a little sweet. I do not know if I picked the wrong recipe or if this is just not the thing for me, but I made a recipe that I don't even want to share because I didn't like it. It had a lot of eggs Hmm. and a lot of cheese, and I thought that was going to be good, but it ended up almost like a quiche. So it was like an egg bake with corn in it, which was really not my favorite. And because I liked it best of all the people (laughs) in my family, Uh I ate so much of it, and then I composted like a third of it. Mm -hmm. So maybe I need to try it again, but maybe I just need to leave my dream of corn pudding behind. I'm not sure. Maybe don't leave it totally behind. Maybe this isn't corn pudding, though, that I have in mind. When we were in college, a mentor of mine made this really delicious corn casserole, maybe it would Mm -hmm. be, rather than pudding. But you would love it. It was sticks of butter, cream (laughs) cheese, the corn, diced chilies mixed in. Oh, okay. So it was much soupier, but a creamy, delicious mix of soup. So maybe I need to try that. Maybe that doesn't quite qualify as the pudding. No, but that could serve the corn function in the Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. And I prefer my vegetables accompanied by dairy. So let's just go with that. (laughs) I will send it your way. Thanks, friend. What have you been eating? Speaking of dairy and vegetables, (laughs) (laughs) I have made spinach and artichoke dip in the Instant Pot from a recipe from the blog Damn Delicious Mm. three times since Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
It has just really been hitting the spot. The first time I followed the recipe and it turned out great. The second time I thought I had the steps of the recipe memorized (laughs) and I didn't. Whoops. So I put everything in the Instant Pot, including the cheese, and you only cook it for three minutes, but then the cheese burns on the bottom. Mm. That is the thing I have learned from this experience. Got it. And didn't understand what went wrong. I was like, did I put it on saute instead of manual? I was very confused. Mm. It was still delicious, just a layer of burnt cheese and the pan had to be soaked. (laughs) And then this time I dumped everything in because I thought that's what you do. Then I read the directions and saw you were supposed to hold the cheese back and you stir Mm. it in. To melt once it's cooked. Yes. Got it. So then I was trying to take out all the pieces of shredded cheese. (laughs) Did it work? It did. It still burned a little bit, but less because I got out most of the cheese. (laughs) I'm just putting that out there in case anyone else skims directions or thinks they know what the directions are going to be when they don't. What do you dip in it? We have dipped a few different things. Did slices of bread that we Mm. toasted, of baguette bread Mm -hmm. once. I love that the best. Also have just done tortilla chips. Nice. And then last night we did tortilla chips and red peppers and carrots. Ooh, yum. I'm excited to try this one. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you have not yet left a review for us on Apple Podcasts, it would be a lovely holiday gift for us, and we would very much appreciate it if you would, and thank all of you who have already done so. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Hold on Um, just a minute. I have a plum in here. Yeah. I'm going to go stir the Chex Mix while you're doing that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You need to be quiet, Kat. You coming up here? To meow directly into the microphone? (laughs) Meh. close enough yep (laughs) we'll go with it did you like that outtake on the last episode (laughs) i did that was actually a surprise too i did a lot of rereading this year but oh well we've moved on (laughs) we'll finish by oh no just kidding